0: We are continuing our series in 2 Corinthians. I'll read the scripture passage for us and pray before we delve into it. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 2 through the end of the chapter, verse 16. So 2 Corinthians 7, verse 2 onwards. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you. For I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your seal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that, it, that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnest for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boast I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater." As he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling, I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. Father, I pray that you will today again comfort us, fill us with comfort, and have us overflowing with joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, we are continuing our series in 2 Corinthians, but let me begin by reminding us of two characters, Judas and Peter. Matthew tells us in his gospel that when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders and throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple he departed and he went and hanged himself of peter matthew writes after a little while the bystanders came up and said to peter certainly you are the you are one of them your accent betrays you then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear I do not know the man, and immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus: "Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times." And he went out and wept bitterly. On or on Mark's account, he broke down and wept. Both Judas and Peter regretted what they did one humbled himself was comforted and reconciled to Jesus the other dead why when we come to second corinthians right at the beginning of the letter in chapter 1 paul introduces the, the idea of comfort how God comforts us so that we may comfort others. This is how Paul puts it in in chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, We must remember that, that Paul had written a severe letter or sorrowful letter. In chapter 2, Paul said that, uh, he said, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. It seems like... Paul sent his sorrowful letter with Titus and was waiting for him in Troas. But Titus did not show up. He wanted to hear back from him. He had the church in Corinth received. He was wondering, had the church in Corinth received the letter well? How would they respond? Imagine being in a foreign city Waiting for a friend, expecting good news from him or her, and then having to leave the city without him because you did not find him there. Put yourself in Paul's shoes. The anxiety, the discomfort, the uncertainty. Whenever I am anxious about Bernie, my wife's location, I just pick up my phone. And even if she doesn't answer, I just say, Hey, Siri, where's my wife? And I know exactly where she is. (laughs) Oh, Siri responded. Paul didn't have that privilege. He went to Macedonia in affliction, anxious about Titus and worried about the church in Corinth. When I came to Troas, Paul tells us, To preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Well, that's until our passage. Chapter 7, verse 5 and 6. Several chapters of after teaching and encouragement... Paul resumes this narrative about the sorrowful letter and Titus. Paul says, I am overflowing with joy, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So Paul wanted them to be comforted, because he was comforted by God and overflowing with joy since they responded well to Paul's letter. In verses 2 to 4, Paul restates his call call for the Corinthians to welcome him again. Widen your hearts, he had said in chapter 6, verse 13. Now Paul writes, make room for us. Did you see that, verse 2? Make room for us. They should have good reasons to be reconciled to Paul and welcome him back. At least they didn't have reasons not to receive him. He has wronged no one, corrupted no one, or defrauded no one. Perhaps these are things they were accusing him of, things that the false apostles or teachers were spreading about him, and Paul is defending himself. Perhaps Paul is contrasting himself to these super apostles, false teachers. They are the ones taking advantage of them. Paul is going to elaborate more on this in chapter 12. Whatever the case, Paul assures his love and care for them. He is joined To them in life and death. Look at verse 3. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said it before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Also, Paul continues the words of assurance towards the Corinthians. He uses a couple of phrases that may be hard to follow. Verse 4 he says, I am acting out of great boldness and I have great pride in you. Literally, Paul says, I have great boldness or frankness towards you, and I have great pride or boasting about you. Someone paraphrased verse verse 4 like this, to you, I speak boldly of your faults, but to others, I speak no less boldly of your merits. What we need to know, though, is how Paul closes verse 4, reintroducing the themes of comfort and joy. In fact, Paul Paul could not emphasize these things more. He is filled with comfort. He is overflowing with joy. Even in the midst of every affliction, filled with comfort and overflowing with joy. Why? Why? How did Paul move from sorrow and anxiety after confronting the Corinthians to being filled with comfort and overflowing with joy? Well, he tells us in verses 5 through 16, it is because godly confrontation produces a godly grief that results in godly comfort. Again, Paul is overflowing with joy because godly confrontation produces a godly grief that results in godly comfort. What do I mean by godly confrontation? I think anyone can confront or admonish someone out of our own selfishness. We are angry. Or feel personally offended. And come to others wanting restitution. Or at least for them to know that we deserve better. But Paul models for us a different kind of confrontation. A godly confrontation. He had said that his spirit was not at rest. And again, for even when they came into Macedonia, his body had no rest because his intention and motivation was for them to be comforted rather than for him to be treated better note again paul's struggle we were afflicted at every turn fighting within and fear fighting without and fear within paul suffered because the relationship suffered paul Wanted them back for them to receive him again. Reconciliation, not just to be in the right. That's godly confrontation. Selfish confrontation is glad when there is remorse and a change of behavior. Godly confrontation is gospel. Confrontation. It models a Christ-like attitude that desires change, but sacrifices himself or herself and not others to achieve it. Paul was comforted when he heard of their longing, mourning, that's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and seal for him. Did you see that, verse 7? It was in that godly confrontation that Paul rejoiced still more. It was this godly confrontation that filled him with comfort and overflowing with joy. Have you had the chance to confront someone? Maybe at church? Maybe at home? Why did you confront them? Was it just because you were angry? Or was it because you valued that relationship? Was it because you treasured the other's comfort in God? I know that many times at home, I have not been zealous for my children's comfort, but rather my own. And I want them to know that I love them and I want their comfort The same should be true in the church. So let's make sure we are sorrowful when we confront someone. Let's assure them that we value their relationship, that we want them to be right with God more than us being in the right. Godly confrontation. Paul is filled with comfort and overflowing with joy because godly confrontation produces godly grief. Yes, confrontation does bring grief. There's no way around that. So let's pray that it's the right kind of grief. The kind of grief a godly gospel confrontation looks for. Note verses 8 and 9. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. Paul then rejoices in their grief because it was the right kind of grief. Godly grief that produces repentance. Look at how he contrasts the two kinds of grief in verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to, leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Perhaps Peter enjoyed one grief while Judas suffered the other. Wordly grief is worldly grief is that sorry worldly grief is that regret or remorse that makes you stop sinning for a while John Piper defines regret like this Regret is a state of the heart that can ruin your life can cause you to make a shipwreck of faith and bail out of the christian experience you just you just give up because so many past things because of the so many past things that you feel regret for worldly grief changes your behavior but without changing your heart it brings regret with no repentance it keeps you sorrowful Whereas godly grief fills you with comfort and overflowing with joy. It reminds us of David, who was grieved by the confrontation of the prophet Nathan and then repented. Psalm 51 Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression, creating me a clean heart. O oh God and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from your presence take not your spirit from me restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit O oh Lord open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise that's godly grief that led to repentance Another author compares worldly grief and godly grief with the remorse of slave-trading merchants in Revelation 18, who weep and mourn since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, horses, and chariots, and slaves, that is human souls. Whereas John Newton, on the other hand, grieved being a slave trader and wrote, Amazing race. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How do you respond when confronted with your sin? Many of us, if not all, have felt remorse or regret about something only again only to do it again later instead of being filled with comfort and overflowing with joy we are ashamed and sorrowful many times we have changed our behavior without really changing our hearts we've experienced worldly grief rather than godly grief godly grief comes by the work of the Spirit of God in us. He convinces us of sin and judgment. A stern admonition may cause grief and sorrow, but in the gospel we are reminded of the forgiveness of those who repent. And there is no sin the cross cannot pay for. Except unrepentant sin if we confess our sins god is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our for, from all unrighteousness paul saw in the corinthians this kind of godly grief and reassured them of that note verse 11 For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. Therefore, he then writes in verse 13, we are comforted. Again, Paul is filled with comfort and overflowing with joy because godly confrontation produces godly grief that results in godly comfort. Paul could not have emphasized this more. Seven times in this passage, Paul speaks of comfort or being comforted. 29 times altogether in this letter, especially in chapter 1, as I mentioned earlier, and here in chapter 7. It's godly comfort because God is the ultimate comforter. Look again, verse 6. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Paul most probably had Isaiah 49 in mind. Sing for joy, O heaven, and exalt, O earth, break forth into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on the afflicted. Because God is the ultimate comforter, Paul is filled with comfort and overflowing with joy. Still, God comforts by their mutual comfort. Paul was comforted by the coming of Titus. But also, verse 7 By the comfort with which he was comforted by you, the church. As Titus told us of your longing and mourning and seal for me, so that I rejoice still more. And comfort and joy increases all the more when Titus comforts the church. And the church comforts Titus. Uh, That's what Paul tells us in verses 13 and 15. Besides our own comfort, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Verse 15, and his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all. Paul comforts Paul through Titus, and the church comforts Titus, and Paul comforts the church. This is joy-producing, exponential comfort. It's comfort reverberating all over, like the echo in this room. Now, this is the sort of community we should strive to be. We welcome gospel, godly confrontation that results in godly comfort. We want to be a church where we are mutually comforted. That there is such a culture that everyone welcomes godly confrontation. And we comfort each other because we trust in a God who comforts us. Only through the gospel we can do that. Remember that we are sinners. We all are sinners in need of a Savior. We need to lead each other in repentance and forgiveness, not just regret and correction. In order to get there, in order to be that sort of community, we must go beyond shallow and superficial relationships. We must open our lives and be vulnerable. It's a scary thing to do. But we will never experience the fullness of comfort and overflow overflow of joy unless we're willing to confront each other and welcome that confrontation with grace and love. Look around. We we owe each other Love that must go beyond nodding each other on a Sunday morning. Must get to know each other, share our burdens, confront each other, and comfort each other with grace and love. The church father Am- Ambriostor said that those who grieve, grieve because of sins. Sorry, those who grieve because of sins receive consolation from the fact that hope of forgiveness is promised to them when they repent. And this happens amid a community of those who have received consolation from God and have been rescued from distress. It is when we are convinced that we have received grace and comfort in Jesus, that we also impart grace and comfort to others. Again, we all have sinned and are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Maybe you are not a believer. Maybe you're not a Christian and have only received correction and condemnation from the church. If so, probably never felt welcomed, then I'm sorry. It should not be that way. Maybe the thought of being vulnerable scares you. It's not easy to acknowledge our faults before others. But on the flip side, imagine a community where we strive for mutual comfort and joy. Imagine a community where you can genuinely trust each other because we are honest with each other about our failures, our burdens. And we are not afraid to see others progress in their faith. The truth of having a God who comforts the humble and lowly a God who forgives those who repent, a God that fills us with comfort and overflows us with joy, that's a God worth following and a community worth being a part of. Why then was Paul filled with comfort and overflowing with joy? Why was Peter comforted and not Judas? According to this passage, it is because when the gospel confronts us, it produces a godly grief that results in godly comfort. Let's pray that we would respond like Peter and the church in Corinth, that we would confront each other with gospel and grace and the promises of God and challenge each other like Paul did or Titus. Let's pray. Again, Father, we, we ask of you. Comfort us. Fill us with comfort. Have us overflowing with joy. As we become a community who confronts each other with gospel, grace, and love, with godly confrontation that produces godly grief. Help us to lead others and ourselves to repentance and salvation that we may enjoy and experience your comfort and joy and that comfort and joy would spread and reverberate not just within this church but all over this land in jesus name we pray amen